This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Amen. Well, hey, uh, too, along with that, we want to, you know, oftentimes when, when uh, families give birth and have little babies and people uh, get married, we like to celebrate that. And uh, there's a family in our church that we want to celebrate today. Uh, it's Jesse and Brianna Doty. And Jesse's, he's here, your wife must be working. Um, but we wanted to honor Jesse uh, because um, when Brianna and Jesse met, Aiden uh, was already in the picture, and Jesse came alongside him as a dad and became a dad to Aiden, or to uh, Aiden, and he, on June 30th, officially, legally adopted Aiden as his own. And so we want to, we want to celebrate you on that because, man, we're all about families around here. And uh, uh, this, this one quote, we know that anyone can be a father, but it takes a special guy to be a dad. And we know that that's what you are. So congratulations to you and your family on that. So I, uh, you guys ready to get into it today? Okay, we're going to continue on. I, just, I, I love some of the comments to come along with the, the notes. How many of you guys got the notes? One of the notes that I had today was a, a, a man who went to school a long time ago, and he said that his teacher handed these out, and he actually hated the teacher for it. <laughs> so... So, however you, you know, if you like to write, write. If you don't like to write, don't write. That's up to you. I'm just, it's just a tool. There's audible learners, there's visual learners, there's writing learners, there are all kinds of learners, right? We're just trying to help you to grow. And I believe that, you know, when you have a pen in your hand, I'm not saying you got to take copious notes. That's kind of the way I am, man. I don't like, if something's good, it's like I'm either typing really fast or writing really fast and I'm writing everything I can, right? But you know, I think that when you have a pen and a paper, you're, you're telling the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm ready to receive. I'm ready for you to speak to me, and I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss the phone call. I'm not going to miss, no. I'm not going to miss it. I don't want to miss it. How many of you guys have ever had a time in your life where the Lord speaks to you, and you say, I need to write that down, and you don't, and then a day or two later, you're like, what was it that you said? My point exactly. You might not enjoy the notes, but you get it. So, a couple weeks ago, actually, how many of you guys enjoyed last week's message uh, Pastor Mike brought uh, on uh, walking in truth? I mean, I loved that illustration about the compass and how, you know, when, when the influences of our life sometimes will influence the compass and cause it to go in the wrong direction. And, and so if you didn't, if you weren't here or weren't, weren't a part of that, I encourage you to, to go to l- and listen to that because uh, I, I actually, uh, he was looking at First uh, Timothy 1 and First Timothy 4, and I went back and read that, and I loved what Paul t- said to Timothy uh, in First Timothy. He said that to Timothy, he said, we're pulling people back to center. We're pulling people back to center, and, 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 and as ministers, that's what we're trying to do. We're pulling people back. back. Even myself, I need to be pulled back to the center. Anybody in here ever need to be pulled back to the center? When I read that, I was thinking about, you know, I haven't been any 
Let's see. Well, I, I guess I have been in a couple car accidents. I got rear-ended one time. I've never caused a car accident, but I have been in the ditch. How many of you guys have ever been in the ditch? I can remember one time, man, I had this little white truck, a C10-81. I'd love uh, to have another one of those with a blown engine so I could go out here and do circles. That's a, that's a side story. But, but anyway, this, it's a straight six, three speed on the tree, and, I, and one time I was at this dirt road, and I'm like, look dry. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go down that. And so I, I turned onto it, and it was real, real good for a little bit and then I was realizing my back tire spin and I got no steering and the next thing you know I went into the ditch and I had to go and have somebody pull me back to the center of the road and I think sometimes in life you know that's what the word of God's for that's what people that uh, leaders in our lives mentors in our lives are, are there for is to help pull us back to the to the center and uh, and so I want to continue. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, we had uh, started looking at uh, Philippians. Philippians one was the chapter that we were in, and uh, and so look at look at this this uh, verse that we were kind of using just as the kind of the dive board, so to speak. For, uh, Philippians four nine. This was Paul talking at the end of the book. He said, "The things which you learned, the things that you received, heard, and saw in me, what." do these things and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul was saying, he was saying to the Philippian church, and if you guys remember that, that church was very, very encouraging. They were supportive. They had a close relationship with, with Paul and Paul loved them. And so he was writing this, this, uh, this book to them. And it was really a book about contentment and joy, which was amazing because he was in jail writing this book to them, saying, hey, be content and be joyful. And man, when I'm with you, he was expecting to be with them again. He was just trying to encourage them. But the thing that, I, that kind of stuck out to me was is that he said, the things that you've learned, seen, heard, and saw in me do these things. And so what we were looking at was, as we looked in chapter one at just some of those things, and you'll have to go back and, and look at that because, or listen to it on YouTube or podcasts or whatever it is, however it is that you listen. Because today I wanna look at three more things that Paul was basically telling the church at Philippi. He was trying to, to help them to understand uh, um, what it was that they needed to do and how it is that they needed to live. Why? Because, because what you learned, heard, and received, and saw, he's saying, do that. And all of us in this room are learning, we're hearing, we're seeing, and we're listening to stuff. And we're, we're, we're consuming uh, um, natural things, we're consuming books, we're consuming you know, uh, talk radio, we're, we're consuming those things, and so what we're doing is, is it's creating who it is that we are, whether you like it or not. And, and so it's very, very critical that we are paying attention to what it is that we're learning, what it is that we're listening to, you know, because, um, because just as Paul was telling them, man, you, you can get off track. You can get off center in a hurry if you're not paying attention to that. And so today I want to look at three more things that he, that he said, because remember, Jesus is the way. You guys know that. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. Amen? And, 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 uh, and, and as Pastor Mike talked about last week, there are many things that are meant to, to get us off. They're meant to, to lead us astray. And so it's so 
critical that we understand what the way is. You know, what it is that Jesus told, the ways that he told us to live, the ways that he told us to operate. It's important for us to go to, to, to the books that Paul wrote and understand the points, the things that he told us to do so that we can uh, uh, understand and have a good course. Because, you know, here a couple weeks ago, uh, we took a trip out to South Dakota and, and uh, I rented a UTV. I actually rented a two of them because the, the time before I only rented one. And I don't know if you know this, but we have six people in our family and it got really tight. And by the end, no one liked each other. So I was like, okay, we're gonna rent two of them and we're gonna put two in one and four in the other, right? And so I gotta admit, I was trying to save some money. And so I called around and I found the cheapest person in the area and I thought, wow, this guy's got a really, really good deal. And so we get there and they looked really amazing. I thought, wow, I have really scored, this is gonna be great. But the thing that I failed to understand is, is that when you pay the good money for them, they have an integrated GPS right in the dash. And it will track you and it will show you all of the paths that are in South Dakota in the Black Hills. But not this man, because I got the real bargain of a deal, he handed me a giant map. <laughs> I said, I don't even know where to start, so I handed it to my son. But that's what the Word of God is. It's a map. And as much as I'm making light of the fact that now we have GPSs, but I'll tell you what, we were intent on this map. The map got folded up, we circled the area that we were driving in. Why? Because we didn't want to go to a place that we, you know, get lost. You know, it's like I got five hours until I got to be back. And there are so many things on this, on this map. We could end up in Timbuk 42 and never return if we just throw this map in the back and decide that we're just going to, you know, do whatever it is that we do. And so the word of God, guys, is, is that map. It's that side by side. It's like Andrew sitting in the, in, the, in the passenger seat with the map. He's saying, go left, go right, go left, turn up here. You're looking for this number. You're looking for this path. That's what the Holy Spirit is there to do. And so, so, and so we're gonna look at three things that Paul said to the church. And, and so we're gonna start here in Philippians 2, verse one through four. We're gonna read it out of the Message Bible. I know some of you guys are appalled by that, but for some of you guys, it's, it's more simple and you need to understand it and you need, it needs to be simple for you. So, <clears throat> it's just a compliment. I like to be simple. Who in here likes to be simple? I don't like to complicate things. It's just like, let's just make this simple so that we can understand what it is that's being said, okay? All right, Philippians 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, if you've gotten anything out of uh, following Christ. Huh, that's interesting. Paul says, have you gotten anything out of following Christ? Are you following Christ? We talked about this two weeks ago. Some people think that they're following Christ, but really they're not. They're kind of asking Christ to follow them. But, but he's saying it again here. Are you following Christ? He goes on to say, if his love has made any difference in your life. I want you, I just want to, I want to, I want to go slow through this because he's saying, are you following Christ? Then he's saying, if his love has made any difference in your life. Has Jesus's love made any difference in your life? Okay, it, it, it has, but my, my next question is, is does it continue to make a difference in your life? Or are you 
kind of unchanging, where you've kind of come to a place where it's like, yeah, in the past, you know, his love has done a lot for me, but now I'm to a place where, where it doesn't seem that he, that he is. His love should be making a difference in our life. No matter how long we've walked with Christ, his love should be making a difference in our life. We should be growing. We should be increasing. We should be asking him to help us to understand more, to, to make adjustments, to, to do these things, right? You gotta be hungry for it. You gotta want to grow. You gotta want to, 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 for the Holy Spirit to say, you need to make an adjustment here. You need to change this. I don't think we like that sometimes. But we got it. That's what spiritual growth is, right? We need to grow. We need to grow. And so love has to make a difference in our life. And I, I like what it says. It goes on to say, if being in a community of, of the spirit means anything to you. Being in a community of the spirit. Being, how about this? How, you could say it this way. Does being in a community at Fellowship Church mean anything to you? Is it, is it important? It should be. Our, 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 our body, the family that God has, has placed you know, us together with, we're all better together, amen? And, and so we have to see the community as important. We have to see it as, as vital to our life. If we take it for advantage, or, you know, ad, granted, we, we begin to live our life as, as like, ah, oh, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's a nice church. They got great music and they got good kids ministry and youth ministry. And, and we, we sell it off as, 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 as it's not really important. It's important to my kids. It's not really important to me. No, it needs to be important to us. And, and, and is really what he's saying. And it goes on to say this, then do me a favor. That's what Paul said. So he, he, he said, let's just go back. He said, if you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made a difference in your life, if being in community of the spirit means anything to you, and if you uh, have a heart, and if you care, which I think we all care, and, and the people in Philippi did too, he said, then do me a favor. How many of you guys have ever said that to your wife or your spouse or to a coworker? Hey, will you do me a favor? That's what Paul was saying. He's like, hey, do me a favor. So, so he's saying, if you mean what you say, if you're really a believer, if you're living this thing out, if you want to be fruitful, if you really claim that Jesus is the Lord of your life, then do me a favor. That's what he's saying. And so, do me a favor. Now, if you guys remember, a couple weeks ago, we looked at, and we just got done reading Philippians 4, 9, that says what? Do these things. In Philippians 3.17, it says, follow my example. Note how I walk. Note the pattern of my life. Philippians 2.12 says, it's so important. These are all things that Paul said to, to them. But he's saying to us. He's saying, man, this is important. Do these things. Follow my example. Do me a favor. So, so he, he's bringing, trying to bring emphasis to this church. He's trying to get their attention. Have you ever tried to get someone's attention. I think about, this is going to date me, but how many of you guys have ever watched The Three Amigos? Yeah. Right. When he's sitting up on the wall, he's like, hey, look up here. Look at you. Like he's, he's, he's yelling at his friends who are kind of like, they're tiptoeing, and he's, he's yelling at them, trying to get their attention. And I think that that's what Paul's doing to the church. He's doing it to us. He's trying to get our attention. 
My son has a friend, a good friend, and they, they run around and have a great time. And one day I was driving up the road, there in Drainer, and I, I see this, these two, two little people, and they're, they're doing, doing one of these, you know. I was like, what on earth is going on here, you know? And I get a little bit closer, and I realize that's Will and Cruz, and they're standing next to a sign that says, free hot dogs. Like, like the sign wasn't enough to, for, you know, it's a big giant sign sitting right next to the highway in big giant letters that says free hot dogs. And, and Cruz and Will thought, this is not enough. And so they're standing there like this, like, like this, going like this, trying to get everybody that's driving by. They weren't even a part of the event but yet they were standing by the sign trying to get people's attention. Free hot dogs, free hot dogs, free hot dogs. And I was just like, I drove home and I just chuckled with my wife because I'm like, you know what your son's doing? He's standing by the highway trying to get people's attention about an event that's going on that he's not even a part of. That's what Paul's doing to you and to me. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. So the question is, is are we paying attention? Will we pay attention to what it is that he said? Do me a favor. And so it goes on here. And and so we're going to look at three. And the first one's found right here in verse uh, two. It says, agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Another version says it this way. Make my joy complete. This is Paul talking. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit and intent on one purpose. Like-minded, same love, agreeing wholeheartedly, being in full accord. I got to admit, when I first read that, I thought to myself, wow, why? Think about all of the opinions that are in this room, right? I mean, just there's, and in the world in which we live, I mean, there are so many people that like certain things. They, they, they believe a certain way. They were raised a certain way. They were, you know, they come from cultures and there's so many things, but yet Paul is saying, listen, I want you to be like-minded. I want you to get along. I want you to love one another. And I'm thinking to myself, that is a really big ask. Is there anybody else in here that, that thinks, Really, Paul, you think you're going to get everybody on the same page? I don't know. That's kind of what I thought. Just being a little bit transparent. That's what he said. He said to get on board with one another. So number one in your notes is this. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying be united. Be united. And I was thinking to myself, man, that, that is challenging. How, how, Paul, how can, we, how can we do that? How can we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're gonna look at some verses because I was just like, man, this, this could be challenging, but it's not, it really isn't. And so um, there's different views, there's different cultures, different values. And so our, you know, that's the question that I ask is, are you sure we can do this? But Paul goes on to explain something that we can personally do in order to be united or in order to have unity. It goes on to say, don't push your way to the front. 
This is talking to you, it's talking to me. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet, sweet uh, talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others to get ahead. Wow, help others, help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. So that's something that just right after that, he basically says, if you want to be united, these are some of the things that you can personally do. But I want to, before we go on, I want to just define this, this idea of unity. Unity occurs when people are united. They're united in action and in passion for a common cause. I mean, really, we see in, in today's world, that could be anything. It could, be, it could be people that are united that are against uh, you know, birthrights. It could be people that are united for birthrights. You know, there's, there's groups out there that are united about their sexuality. And so we see people that are united. But, but really, when it comes to the, this idea of unity, we, we really need to look at it from the spiritual standpoint of what Paul was trying to get through to us. And, and, and I like what it says right after that scripture, that it says that we're intent on one purpose. We're intent on one purpose. Well, Paul, what was that one purpose? It could be a lot of different purposes. You know, you know um, but, and so we have to remind ourselves of the wider view uh, or the wider biblical view of unity. You know, unity was first revealed in God, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that's, that's unity, the three are one. You know, blessings, fruitfulness, increase, and dominion are all the result of unity. Did you get that? Blessings, fruitfulness, increase, and dominion are all the result of unity. In our lives, in our churches, in the body of Christ, that's, that's, that's what we wanna have. We have to have unity. And so we, when man became, uh, became torn from God, what did we have? We had a division. There was unity between man and God before Adam and Eve made a mistake. And so there was this, this, this division that was made as a result of sin. Thank God for Jesus, amen, because he came and he put back together. He brought man and God back into unity uh, with one another. And so unity is, in scripture is focused on Christ, and we know that. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. The, the focal point of marriage is what? Unity. And, and God's divine purpose in life is unity. And so I believe this is, uh, um, is what really what Paul was trying to get through and remind, get their attention, like, hey, hey, you have to be in unity. You can't, can't live outside of unity if you want blessing in the church. And, you, and, and I think that he was just trying to like get their attention and do jumping jacks and, and just help them to understand the importance of living in unity in their life, intent on one purpose. And what was that one purpose? You know, we, we can ask ourselves that same question. What is the one purpose? Like with, if you're raising kids right now, like what is the one purpose? I, I know sometimes, you know, husbands and wives cannot may, maybe necessarily agree on what it is that's going on, but it's like, let's, let's stop focusing on what we don't agree on and let's focus on what we can get on board. And that is the one purpose. I wanna raise kids that, that are respectful, that are honor, that, that love God, that follow God. That's the one purpose, right? Same thing with marriage. Like, I think sometimes we, we, we are hijacked 
by all of the little things that are off to the side instead of focusing on the purpose of marriage and reminding ourselves of the fact that, man, the, the enemy, the devil, does not want marriages to last. Why? Because if, if he can affect the marriage, he affects the kids, and so on down generations to come. So, so, so this idea of being united as a husband and wife, what, what God brings together, let no man separate. There has to be more of a fight, more of, uh, um, you know, determination inside of us that we're not going to give up. We're going to be focused on the one purpose, and that one purpose is that, that we are one. We stood and, you know, maybe you stood on a stage, maybe you went to the courthouse, I don't care where you stood because God brought the two of you together for a purpose. And you gotta fight with everything that's within you because the enemy, that's why we're doing the marriage class, is because the enemy is, is against marriages. I'm for him, God's for him. You should be for it. I don't care how challenging it is. I don't care what has happened. There has to be a fight. There has to be a determination inside of you that, man, we are going to stay united. That's what the enemy's main MO is, is, is to get in and to divide. And so those things, those issues, those, 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 those relational problems that you have, you have to understand that they are you know, I understand that there's personalized profiles and, and it is specific maybe to that, a person or a spouse, but you have to understand that the enemy is trying to work his way in. And whatever it is that continues to come back and come back and come back and come back, you have to understand that that is from hell. It's designed to separate. It's designed to divide. It's de designed to cause disunity in your marriage. And, and as a couple, you just have to hold each other's hands and say, we're gonna just have to agree to disagree, but bless God, we are going to stay united. We're going to, to, just as Paul said, be focused and intent on one purpose, and that is to stay united. So with your kids and with your marriage, with your, with your business, it's like you've got to focus on the one purpose. Instead of getting off and chasing, chasing things, focus on the purpose, the church, you know, the, the, the purpose of the church. And, and and I, and I know that just as he operates within marriages, he's trying to operate within churches. He's using things, he's using people to divide because, because he knows that when he, he uses per people to divide that, that the effectiveness and the presence of God, right? we, we miss out on stuff when, when people are divided, when people are, are not in unity, when they're not on the same boat, that it's like, listen, the one purpose is, is that we're reaching people that are out there that, that need Jesus. They're hurting, they're lost, they're blind. They don't know, they don't understand. That's what the, the church is for. It's not just for you and I to come in and get blessed and get a word. I mean, that's part of it. But man, we're here for people. We should be bringing people. We should be, be inviting people to this place. And when they come in the door, when they are new and when there is a new family coming in, we should be opening up our arms with, 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 with welcome. We've been waiting for you. We've been praying for you. We've been, we, we've been waiting for you to come. Come be a part and inviting them to be in our midst. Not, man, you're weird, you're different. No. The one purpose is the lost. 
That's what the church is designed for. And so it's, it's staying focused on that. But man, I've been doing this long enough to know that it's like people get bent out of shape because they start looking at what other people are doing. They look at what other churches are doing. They're looking at what other speakers are doing. They're looking at all these other things out on the peripherals. And it's like, that's not, that's not even what God called you to. Did God call you to this place? I believe that he called us to this place for a purpose. And the purpose is the people that are coming in, the people that are in this area, the people that are in the schools, the people that are in the communities. And we are, are so jacked up with what it is people on the internet in another state and in another city are doing. And that causes division. We're not united because we're all following our own thing. No, man, we are united as one. These are my people. These are the people that God brought me to. This is the church that God brought me to. And unless he tells me something different, I ain't going nowhere. And I guarantee you, you will have opportunities. There will be times in your life where you're frustrated and you don't like what it is that's going on. But guess what? That's where the, the enemy is trying to divide you and separate you from the united church of Christ. And I mean to tell you, if you follow that, you follow that, 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 that whim, he will take you off, he'll lead you to one spot, he'll take you off, lead you to another spot, he'll take you off, lead you to another spot, and you will miss out on what it is that God has called you to do. Amen. All because he's trying to divide. And we just gotta call it for what it is, man. I, 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 just, I just think that it's like, you got to have enough wherewithal to see his, it's, he's not hard, it's not hard what he's trying to do. Whether it's with your kids, whether it's with the family, whether it's with an extended family, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it's pretty simple. If there's division, if there's strife, if there's contention, if there's those things, if there's evil speaking, if, guess what? That, that's set on fire of hell. That's only meant to do what? To divide, to steal peace, to steal his presence in your life. And you ought to have enough sense within you to be like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to talk like that. I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to you know, be self-absorbed and want my own way. I'm going I'm to walk in love, man. I'm going to strive for unity. I'm going to desire peace. I'm going to pursue peace in my marriage. I'm going to pursue peace with my kids. I'm going to pursue peace in my church. I'm going to pursue what it is that he has for me. You know, I like what we were, my wife and I were leading this, the marriage class and, and she had a great point. She always has great points, a lot of great points. She said this, when it, when it comes to marriage, it's like, do you want to be right or do you want to be better? Well, first thought, I kind of want to be right. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> we want to be better. And that's, that's, that's the thing is like, you know, I can't remember who it was that said, it's like, do you really want to die on this hill? You know, is it that big of a deal where it's like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to fight to the end. I'm going to fight and I'm going to be right. And I'm going to die right here. Or do you want to just like go to the mountaintop with your wife and your, or your husband hand in hand? It's like, you know what? I, I, I'm not selfish enough to, to fight for this. I'm not, I'm not hard hearted enough to, to fight for this. I, I want to be together. And so it's like, I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to prefer. I really want to go to this burger shop. And, and that's probably the most frustrating thing for a guy, is it not? It's like, man, you're trying to prefer your wife. You go to, you're trying to go to town. And you're like, hey, honey, where do you want to eat? 
And then you give her options, you do all this stuff, and then she says, I don't care. Unity. So then you just gotta guess. Where does she wanna eat? Actually, my wife loves me so much, she prefers me so much, she knows how important food is to me, and so she just prefers me and says, you, you decide. <laughs> <laughs> Enemies of unity. Sin. When sin, and did you guys know sin can be unified? Sin is unified, it too can become a dominion and increase in our lives. Genesis eleven six. you guys remember this, the Tower of Babel, it says that, and the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they, are all, they all have one language and this is what they begin to do and now nothing that they propose uh, to do will be withheld from them. So, so these people, they basically built a monument to themselves rather than God. And I think that in our lives, it's like we can be united in our own strength. I don't want to be united in my own strength. Not in my marriage, not with my kids, not in this church. I don't want to, I, I, I want what he said. I want his will. I want his desire. I want his direction in my life. And so, so I don't want sin to be given dominion. I don't want it to be increasing. And so it's important that, that I am submitted to him. You, unity, um, yeah, sorry. Without the knowledge of God, the Holy Spirit, we as humans will justify ourselves and build walls of division that are not spiritually directed, but rather man-directed. So we have to be very, very careful that, that, that we are not building these walls of division in our lives, in our, in our, in our, work, in our workplace, in, in, in our marriage, with our kids. We, we have to, uh, because, because you, can, you can begin to strive just as those people did. And God never told you to do that. Maybe it's something that you saw or maybe it's somebody you talked to that, that, that you need to ask yourself the question, Lord, is that, is that something I should do? And, and go to him and, 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 and let him confirm what it is that you're thinking so that it's not uh, um, you know, something that's man-directed. Another thing when it comes to division, and I've, I've touched on this, is, is that the devil wants to separate and divide. And I'm just gonna say it again, we need to hear it again. He wants to separate and divide. And if he can divide us, he can conquer us. Look what it says here in Luke 11:17. It says that he knew their thoughts. So he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed, and a family splintered by feud will fall apart. It will, absolutely. So he knows that if he can splinter your family, splinter your marriage, splinter a church with feuds, with fighting, with strife, with talking, he knows. He knows that. And so that's, that's what he's going to do. That's, that's how he's going to, you know, uh, to work. So he gets his people, he gets people's eyes off of what? The intended purpose of what? Christ. We're, we're focused on the thing off to the side. We're focused on the issue. We're focused on what's not being done. We're focused, I mean, it could, be, it could be anywhere. It could be in marriage. It could be in a business. It could be in the church. We get our eyes off of the intended purpose and we're focused on what's not doing, what, what they're not doing, what they're, you guys with me? You guys following me? We've all been there. We've all fallen into that trap. And, and that trap, is, it's subtle. It's kind of like when I was driving down that mud road with, with the two-wheel drive truck. 
It's like very, very slowly going to the side of the ditch. Next thing you know, you're stuck. Same thing's true with the enemy, man. He's not going to just, I mean, yeah, there are disasters and things where he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and it's just immediate. But man, a lot of times, subtly, subtle, subtle, subtle nudges, subtle moves to the side and to the ditch. So we just have to, we have to guard against that. Because I think that it kind of leads, leads to this, and that is, is that the devil wants you and I to be ineffective. In our life, when we stand before our Heavenly Father and we give an account for what it is that we have done, I, man, I, I just do not want to stand there and say, him to say, man, open up and say, this is, here's some other things that you could have done. Here's some other things you could have gone, because I know that the enemy, he's fighting against that, that, that purpose, the God-ordained purpose on, that was placed on the inside of you when you were born all through your life. He does not want you to reach your full potential. He does not want you to influence, influence your kids and your, influence your wife or your husband or, or your family or your work or your business. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to be ineffective. And so he's going to subtly use those things to trip you up and cause you to, to be divided, maybe cause you to have a, a root of bitterness and have something in your life, you know, that, that, that's holding you back. And man, you just got to be, you got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because he will, he will lead you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. He will. You just got to listen. I was on my mower the other day, mowing. And sometimes I'm just going to be real honest with you. Sometimes I get a bad attitude when I mow. Why? Because it's really, really hot, really hot. It's just hot. I'd rather be inside, rather be in the pool, rather be watching a movie, rather be doing a lot of other things. But the Holy Spirit's like, hey, what about that? Oh, really? <laughs> now, I could have dismissed it because it was really, really subtle and it was just really quick. And I, and, I, and I was just thinking about some stuff and then it just popped in my mind and then it was gone. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. He's trying to get my attention. He wasn't out there like, like cruising well. It's not like flashing lights and waving his hands. It's like, hey, what are you gonna do about that? Okay, Lord. So I just, right then and there, I didn't get off the mower and bow my knee and, you know, or, or anything like that. I just kept on going and had a conversation with him and said and did what it is that I needed to say and do. And the same thing is true for us. In our lives, in, 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 in work, in, in relationships, in family, in church, just, just quick. Man, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get, thank you, Holy Spirit. I, you're just trying to get me back up on the center of the road here. I, I'm just going to make an adjustment. I'm going to make that adjustment. You, some of us might be farther off. We might have to make a few more adjustments. I'm just joking. <sighs> Selfish people. Ooh, yeah, this is a fun one, too. Selfish people, we're talking about enemies, enemies of unity, selfish people, intent on you. What do you, what you want, thinking what you, thinking you deserve something, what it is that you have coming, trying to impress others. These are all things that Paul said. Don't care about others. Don't care about your kid. Don't care about your spouse or your coworkers, your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're selfish. You are going to have a hard time living a life of unity and blessing and peace if you're a selfish person. It's just the way that it is because everything revolves around you. And, and Paul said it there, if you, if you remember back in there, that it's like, give up your life. 
prefer somebody else. You know, let them have, let them have what it is that they want. And, I, and that can be really, really difficult. Here's another one. Comparing. Oh, man. How many of you guys ever compared? Am I the only one? No, man, comparing, it, it, you know, is rooted, it really, when we compare, like, like that, that scripture that we read in Proverbs, when we want something that we don't have, it's really rooted in what I want, is it not? I mean, when we see something, it's like, I want that, I don't have it, I want that. That is, we're comparing, we're comparing what we have or what we don't have, we're comparing what somebody else has, and it's rooted in what it is that we want. We're measuring one thing against another thing. I think, man, when it comes to comparing, it takes us out of the the attitude of thankfulness. It's like, man, we're looking at something that somebody else has, and it's like, why don't you look at what you have? Man, God has richly blessed you and me and everybody with so many things. And so we just have to be very, very careful not to compare because, man, again, it's just this subtle way that the enemy will get us to move from a place of being united, being, being in unity with our spouse when we compare. It's like we're looking at what somebody else, well, they have this spouse and they do this and they're this kind. And they're, now listen, there are things that you cannot see behind the, behind the curtain. Social media is not an accurate representation of what someone lives with. <laughs> what you see at a restaurant is not an accurate representation of what someone lives with. I don't know, that wasn't even my notes. Comparing. Comparing, am I comparing? If I'm comparing, I'm moving away from unity. Proverbs says that comparing is unwise. It results in feelings of inadequacy, less than, below than. It results in envy. It, re- it results in covetedness. It results in judging, you know, that, that, oh, I'm better than somebody else. I like this. It says that the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. You want to kill something in your life? If you want to kill unity in your life, compare it to something else. Compare your marriage to something else. Compare your kids to something else. Compare your church to someone else. Compare leaders to someone else. It'll kill what is special in your life. And the, it's, 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 it's born right out of the pit of hell. Meant only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It may not have its initial killing or destroying. It's the process of it. And so we have to realize, man, I'm, I'm comparing and I should not be comparing. And so we have to work at it. Ephesians 4, we're not going to look at it. But when it comes to unity, uh, Paul to the uh, church at Ephesus talked about the fact that, man, if you want to live a life of unity, you are going to have to work at it. And so the results of, of uh, unity in Psalms 133.1 says, this is what David said, that unity, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to live together in unity. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want things that are good and pleasant. I want my marriage to be good and pleasant. I want my my church to be good and pleasant. Well, guess what? If I want it to be good, and if I want it to be pleasant, I have to strive, I have to work for unity, just as he said. And so, um, here's another thing. It goes on to say there, verse three, that not only is it good and pleasant when we're in unity, but look at this, that, that, when, that the Lord commands the blessing. 
So not only is it good and pleasant when I strive and when I'm working and when I'm preferring one another, when I'm living a selfless life, man, I'm gonna have a good and pleasant marriage and family and church, all of those things. But not only that, he says that God commands his blessing. And so in our lives, if, if, man, the blessing seems to be shrinking, maybe we should ask ourselves the question, well, am I up to date? on, how many of you guys love all these updates? It's like, man, my phone is never up to date. Always want an update. But maybe we need to update the operating system of our life. Update, like, whoa, whoa, we got, that, that build was a bad build. There's a little disunity in that build. We're gonna upload and down, you know, get a new build of, of a life that we're walking, where we're in unity, why? So that we can have God command his blessing on our lives. That's what I want, how about you? <clears throat> Okay, the second one here as we bring this thing to a close, because I told you we're gonna have three and we will have three. Number two is in Philippians 2.5, 2, it says that you must have the same, you're gonna love this one, you guys are gonna love this one, you must have the same attitude as Christ. So number two is have this attitude. So first we talked about unity, we spent a majority of the time on that, I'm gonna talk about the personal side of our lives, if we wanna live in unity, we have to have the attitude of Christ. And so, so how's your attitude? guys all have a good attitude? I just admitted that I don't have a good attitude sometimes when I mow the lawn. Some of you spouses, you guys, you guys are nudging one another, same thing, like yeah, you have a bad attitude when you do this, right? Well, what was the attitude that Christ had? Look at this, uh, Philippians 2, 6. He already existed in the form of God. He didn't consider the equality with God something to be grasped. Number one, it's not about me. Say it with me. It's not about me. Say it one more time. You guys didn't get it. It's not about me. That's the attitude. So today, when you start having a bad attitude about something, you need to have the attitude of Christ and say, hey, it's not about me. It's not about me. People excuse selfishness and pride and evil. We think that we can cheat people. We think that we can cheat in business and taxes because why? It's my hard-earned money. We think that we, will, we, we, we spend on ourselves because why? I worked hard. We justify it. But, but that is a selfish mentality. That is a it's about me mentality. And that is not the attitude that Christ had. The second attitude that Christ had is in verse seven. It says that Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So number two is I'm going to serve. My attitude is I'm going to serve. I'm gonna serve my kids. I'm gonna serve my wife. I'm gonna serve the church. I'm gonna serve in the business. I, I am a big proponent of servant leadership. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He came to serve. And the same thing is true for each and every one of us in life, that it's like if we want something good, we have to serve. We have to give of ourselves. Give of ourselves. Serve out of a heart for God. Serve out of a heart for others. Remember what Mark 10, 45 says. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Husbands, wives, if you'll have that attitude that you're gonna serve and give, serve and give, serve and give, regardless of what you're getting given, serve and give, serve and give, you're gonna open up his blessing. He's gonna command his blessing on your marriage. It may not be overnight, but there will be things that, that dissolve away 
because of that attitude that Christ had, which is, I'm going to serve. Thirdly, uh, Philippians 2, 8, he humbled himself and becoming obedient to death, even to the death of the cross. Number three, no matter what, I'm going to obey. Linda, you can go up. It says that Christ was obedient. Be like-minded, being of one accord. We're gonna be obedient and not being selfish. We're gonna be obedient and not trying to impress other people. We're gonna be obedient and being humble. We're gonna be obedient and thinking of other people before ourselves. We're going to be obedient and taking the interest of other people. We're gonna strive. We're gonna be obedient in our work and and in having unity in our family, in our church, in our marriage. That's obedience. Striving to do, remember, what it is that Paul, man, he's trying to get their attention. Follow me. This is important. Do me a favor. Hello. Do these things. He's trying to get their attention. The same thing is true for you and I. Man, God wants rich, rich blessing. He wants life to be pleasant. He wants life to be good. He wants to pour out his blessing upon you. But man, there are some things that that we have to do. If we believe it, we hear it, right? That's, that's what Paul said in Philippians 4. The things you've heard, the things you've seen, the things that you've heard and done, do those things. That's what we gotta do. We gotta do these things. And that's the attitude that Christ had. So the third thing that, that Paul said is here in, in Philippians 2.15. It says, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Listen to this shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So number three in our notes is is this, let your life shine, let your light shine. Let it is, let it what God is doing in you. The things that you've heard, seen, and, and, and saw in Jesus, the attitudes that you've seen in Jesus, the, the, the points and the, the, the ideas that Paul has communicated to that church and to us, Let's live those things out. Because what it says here is is that our life will be a light to a world. That's what unity is all about. Unity in the church, when people see unity in the church, it's like they come in and they experience something that they cannot experience anywhere else. It's it's his design. So, So that's why we have to be in unity. So man, that he can command his blessing on what it is that we're doing in each and every room, in this house, in this region. Listen, guys, we've been at this for 45 years and we've we've seen an influence in this region that's, that's, I mean, you you can't even make this stuff up. This is not man-made, okay? I I tell people, hey, where are you guys? Oh, we're in Oakland, Iowa. Yeah, you know, and it's not about numbers, but we have like 29 communities that, 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 that come to this church. That's not man-made. That is God's hand of blessing upon something as a result of people who are walking and living and obeying and faith, striving for unity so that God's hand of blessing can be on it. And so it takes all of us wanting that and desiring that because I have, I, have a want, I have a want and a desire for unity. Why? Because man, right at home where you guys live, I want it to be good. I want it to be pleasant. I want people, husbands and wives to get along. I want them to stay married. 
I want kids to be loved and nurtured and raised up in godly homes and taught how to follow after God, taught how to know God, taught in the, the, the understanding him, developing a relationship with him. That's small, but man, so much bigger than that are all of the people that are in this region, that are in this area, that God, there's, there's you know, you guys know that the harvest is, is so great. But I'm not, I'm not just gonna sit back in a chair and cross my arms and think, Lord, I just thank you for commanding your blessing on just me and my house and the fellowship house. This is greater. It's bigger than us. I wanna be used. I don't, I don't wanna restrict you with my life. I don't wanna restrict you with my small thinking. I don't wanna restrict you for what it is that you wanna do in this area. I want there to be an expansion. I want there to be an overflow. That's what we've been praying here, an overflow into communities, into businesses, into homes, into schools. But guess what? The overflow, it's not just some energy that overflows from this place. It's you, it's me, it's us. When we go out of, these, out of this place, man, we only get together a couple times a week, but how we walk and how we live Remember, Paul said, the way that I walk, the way that I live, the example that I've set, look at me, do that. So when we go out and we do that, people see something that's different. They see a light. And that's the light, you know, when I was little, and, and some of you guys know this song, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. <laughs> Hide under a bushel, no, right? You guys remember that song? I know it's goofy. It's like some of you guys are laughing at me like, is that the best you got for an illustration? I know what you're thinking. It's okay. It's the best I got, but it's a scripture. And he said, man, if you got a light, you need to let it shine before men. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, let your light shine. Man, I'm a, I'm a person that is good and pleasant. I have unity all over me, man. People can see it on my life. They know something's different about me. When they see me and my wife walking down the street, they know something's different. When I open up my mouth to buy an overpriced coffee, they know something's different about this guy. He doesn't have a budget, but man, there is something different about this guy. Let your light shine. Matthew 5, 14 says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No light, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand to give light to everyone. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today. Thank you for the things that Paul taught the things that he taught, the things that he showed us, the things that he gave us. Father, we thank you for these attitudes that Christ had. God, I pray for each and every person that's in here today as we go, that we'd be doers of the word, not just hearers only. There's something good, there's something pleasant. There's blessing, Father God, that you want to pour out on our lives, but Father, it takes action on, on our part. And so I just pray, Father, that as we go, that we will listen to the Spirit of God, listen to what he's telling us to do. Remind us again, if we've forgotten, 
if we've dismissed, if we've put it off, remind us again of what it is that you are telling us to do. And I thank you, Father, that as we obey, that you'll open up doors, you'll dissolve situations, you'll fix things, and we'll have testimonies of your goodness. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anybody in here today and you find yourself far from God, maybe you've just walked away from him and you've been living for yourself, today's the day to get right with him. Don't, don't, don't leave this place without getting right. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to come back into the family. And so if you're that person, just lift up your hand real quick. Anybody in here? How about anybody in here that maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ? If that's you and you want to follow him, today is the day. Just lift up your hand, Brian. Say, Brian, that's me. I need, to, I need to make him the Lord of my life. Anybody at all? All right. Looks like we're amongst our own. Father, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father God, that it will not return void, but it will accomplish in our lives. It will accomplish in our marriages. It will accomplish in our kids. It will accomplish in our homes. And it will accomplish in this church. We just thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Well, hey, did you guys get any, anything out of that? Good, good, good. Well, hey, you guys have a wonderful uh, week. I, listen, we'll be back here, Living Color, 7 o'clock Wednesday night. But listen, I want you to pray. We, we, a couple Last week, we had these little prayer cards for uh, the kids. And I just encourage you, if you took one of those, make it a point to pray for those kids. Not just one time. Go find it, wherever it is. Go find it and, 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 and pray over these kids' lives because we're leaving, uh, Aaron and I are leaving today. The kids will leave Monday, or teens will leave Monday, and then the following week, the, the kids will leave on Monday. And, and it's gonna be an opportunity. It's gonna be a place where these people, these little people can encounter God. The thing that we believe for, the thing that we're raising them to do, to know a true and a living God. It's in those places when they're unattached from the, the life and they're, they're unattached from their phones and all the distractions, God can touch them. So believe with us that he'll touch them. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, greet those that are around you. We love you guys. You guys have a wonderful afternoon. And we'll see you back here Wednesday.